1807. The author of the hymn, Amazing Grace, a slave trader who repented and became a minister. Or Monica, 331-387, the faithful Roman mother who prayed without ceasing that her brilliant but pagan son, Augustine, might convert to Christianity. I loved the stories of the unexpected mercy of God in their lives. They were people who were to be admired and whose experiences held insights for living faithfully today. Encountering them led me to the academic study of church history in seminary and graduate school. For a decade, I worked as a college professor, introducing undergraduates to 2,000 years of Christian history in 14 weeks or less. A challenging pedagogical task, if ever there was one. Delving into the story of what happened after Jesus involved more, however, than intellectual curiosity. The Christian past raises meaningful contemporary issues. In the classroom, I discovered that this crucible of questions resonated with my students and brought history to life. Exploring the past, we understood our actions anew. We discovered unexpected spiritual possibilities for our lives. As Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams says, History will not tell us then what to do, but will at least start us on the road to action of a different and more self-aware kind. Action that is moral in a way it can't be if we have no points of reference beyond what we have come to take for granted. I found this to be true. Embarking on a spiritual journey through history is unsettling as it opens us up to stories we may not know. For many Christian stories have been overlooked or misunderstood by even the faithful themselves. By discovering the other side of the story, God's Spirit might be discerned in Christian history. What happened after Jesus may well surprise us. The Usual Story Christians assume they know their story, but in reality, they have only vague notions of what happened after Jesus. Over the years, student papers revealed a popular understanding of church history, admittedly not very sophisticated, but a story that still possesses some cultural resonance. The usual story is that of Big C Christianity, Christ, Constantine, Christendom, Calvin, and Christian America. The tale runs thus. Jesus came to the earth to save us, but he founded the church instead. That church suffered under Roman persecution until the emperor Constantine made Christianity legal. With its new status, the Christian religion spread throughout Europe, where popes and kings formed a society they called Christendom, which was run by the Catholic Church and was constantly threatened by Muslims, witches, and heretics. There were wars and inquisitions. When people had had enough, they rebelled and became Protestants, their main leader being John Calvin, who was a great theologian, but a killjoy. Eventually, Calvin's heirs, the Puritans, left Europe to set up a Christian society in the New World. The United States of America then became the most important Christian nation in the world, a beacon of faith and democracy. Big C Christianity is militant Christianity. It is not necessary conservative religion, for there exist liberal versions of it as well. 
Rather, it is a theological disposition that interprets Christianity as an us-against-them morality tale of a suffering church that is vindicated by God through its global victory over other worldviews, religions, or political systems. Militant Christianity tolerates, and often encourages, schisms, crusades, inquisitions, and warfare as means, metaphorical if not actual, to the righteous end of establishing God's will on earth. Elements of this story form American public discourse. Politicians and preachers regularly refer to it. It is, of course, a bastardization of an old storyline, a triumphal tale of Protestant superiority and Christian manifest destiny. Journalist Jeff Charlotte refers to this story as providential history. As far as I can discover, Cotton Mather composed the first version of it in 1702 as the Magnalia Christi Americana, or...